On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll check in on some position battles that may be coming to an end. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-crews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Monday, March 22nd. I'm Al Melchior, and with me here for this episode is Michael Beller. And so, Michael, uh, the weekend news really is centering over the uh, position battles sort of sharpening in their focus. And so, by definition, that kind of means that we're talking about some maybe some late-round type players, maybe even deeper league. But, you know, the show, we try to have something for everybody, and uh, you've got to give some love to the, the guys who are maybe a little bit ignored. Yeah, yeah, I guess we could. It's good to preface this episode by saying that there's a, a chance that every guy we talk about is on a waiver wire by like April 15th. But uh, hey, there's, uh, <laughs> there's value to be found everywhere in the fantasy baseball world. And uh, some days are fat with news. Some days are a little bit more thin. This one feels a little bit more thin, but there's still guys to talk about. Yeah, well, and you know, it seems to me not so long ago, and maybe that's just a, a problem with my memory or, or how I perceive time, but it seems not so long ago that we were really excited about Brent Honeywell. Yes. And it has been since September 2017, since the last time that he pitched against another team in a competitive situation. And that streak is going to end on Monday as he is slated to start against the Red Sox for the race. So he's obviously way, way down in ADP. Uh, I don't see that he'd be starting off the year in the race rotation. But where do you see Brent Honeywell fitting in in terms of the, the fantasy landscape this year? What sorts of leagues? Yeah, I mean that this is a prove it guy, right? I mean, we all everyone in the world is cheering for him with all the injuries he has had to deal with with what his expected ceiling was uh, before all these injuries. Like we all want to see him back on a mound, staying healthy, just even approaching something that he could have potentially been. Give me 70% of what his ceiling was before all these injuries, and I would be very happy for him. And even just getting back on the mound, very happy for him. Uh, but we got to talk about this uh, in a brass tack sort of way. So Brent Honeywell is a total prove-it player to me. If he proves it, then I'm gonna, then I'm down to go grab him. If someone beats me to him, so be it. But you can't really be aggressive on Brent Honeywell with all the injuries that he's had. And frankly, with the organization he plays for. We know the Rays. I mean, the Rays were holding back Blake Snell last year for crying out loud. So I can't imagine they're going to push Brent Honeywell too much. All right. So when you say, you know, don't go aggressively, as in there's really nowhere that he should be drafted and stashed. Maybe AL only, super, super deep AL only. But that's it for me. Are you thinking any differently? Not really. Not really. have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> uh, I might be a little bit more optimistic on the next player we're going to talk about because I've always had a little bit of a soft spot for Trevor Williams. The, the, the results haven't always been there for him during his time with the Pirates. But this is somebody who I, I thought uh, had some promise. I like the way that he would manage contact. He's been in that mix for the fifth starter uh, for the Cubs in the spring training. And an interesting part of that whole storyline that I wasn't aware of until uh, pretty recently was that Edbert, uh, Edbert Elzelay doesn't even know if he has an option remaining. Mm -hmm. So that could be the whole key as to whether or not Trevor Williams gets a spot in the rotation. But 
On Williams' side of the equation, he's done everything he could possibly do this spring to make a good impression. Yeah, it's really strange what's happening with Al Zalayan. Like, is there an, an option here? Is there not an option here? If there's not an option, there's no way he's going down to the minors. And I would think that the Cubs would prefer him to be in the rotation and to be stretched out. But yeah, there is one spot available. Hendricks, Arietta, Davies, Mills, those guys are going to be in the rotation come opening day. Trevor Williams has thrown the ball well this spring, as you said, Al. And, and there's got to be a role for him on the team. I think a lot of it is going to have to depend on Al Zalai. The reason why I favor Al Zalai, at least in terms of why I think he's going to have the better shot at getting more starts than Trevor Williams, I think both guys will start this year. I think Al Zalai will get more starts. And the reason I think that is because he's the one guy who is different from the rest of the rotation. I mean, otherwise, you are talking about a group of five guys who are all soft-tossing right-handed pitchers. And Hendricks, Arietta at this stage of his career, is not like super soft-tossing, but obviously not what he was in his first stint with the Cubs. Davies, Mills, and Trevor Williams. I mean, that is a lot of the same from this rotation if those are the five guys they're trotting out. Al Zalai can still light up the radar gun. Al Zalai is much more of a stuff guy uh, at this point of his career. And so I think the Cubs would want to be able to throw different looks at teams within their starting rotation. I think Al Zalai will get more starts than Williams. I think Williams has done a great job this spring. And he is someone who, if we get word that he is going to break camp as the fifth starter, I would have him on my radar at the end of drafts. And already I've got him uh, bumped up on some cues. Well, actually one cue in a uh, in a, a slow draft. It's a score sheet NL only. So again, we're talking kind of deep here, but at the stage of the draft where I'm at, uh, if I could get Trevor Williams into my NL rotation or at least a chance of him pitching in that rotation, I'd be really happy. So uh, like I said, we're all doing different kinds of drafts, different kinds of formats. So there's relevance there for uh for, for some of those formats. Uh, now, the Cleveland outfield situation, this one started out as an absolute mess, and it's really kind of getting focused now. Uh, the team sent Daniel Johnson down to AAA on Friday. I think he's somebody that we probably will see come back up at some point this year. Oscar Mercado, he's been a real mystery uh, since his rookie season. He got sent down on Sunday, so sort of by default, I think the job is going to be Bradley Zimmers. Uh, although, obviously, Ahmed Rosario uh, and his well-publicized uh, adventures in center field, he's in that mix. Jordan Luplau, uh, I think, you know, you have to think of him as a, a platoon option at best. Uh, but it, it certainly looks like Bradley Zimmer's job right now. So what's your level of interest there? Because sort of like Honeywell, he was somebody that before injuries really drew a lot of interest in fantasy. Yeah, but there's nothing for me here. I mean, there's really nothing uh, in this entire group of guys. Uh, even you know, maybe if Ahmed Rosario actually got his feet under him and turned into a serviceable defender to the point where they could put him out there mostly every day, then I could maybe get interested in him. But, I mean, nothing this spring has shown us that that's going to happen. And you can't just learn. Like, I am selling outfield defense a lot on this show but you can't just learn center field on the fly like if your bat's already playing they can stick you in a corner spot and you can figure that out on the fly if your bat is playing to the level that Ahmed Rosario's plays and then you're trying to learn center field on the fly like that's just that's not going to happen so I just don't really see much of anything here in the Indians outfield uh, at least for this spot I mean I love uh, Fran Mil Reyes and obviously he's going to DH a lot and I like the move for them getting Eddie Rosario. There's still some guys to be had here. And I think this team, you know, with what the Twins have done and what the White Sox have done, I feel like the Indians losing Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco or trading them, maybe getting a little 
overlooked in terms of a top-to-bottom team. This is not a spot that we are overlooking. I don't really care what they do with it. I don't care how much Luplo plays. I don't care uh, Bradley Zimmer, even Josh Naylor uh, being a regular probably in right field. Like, There's really not a whole lot here that gets me interested. All right, well, moving on then to another outfield. We'll see if this one interests you more uh, with the Orioles. And this one was maybe less of a mess to start with, but getting a little bit more clarified with the news that DJ Stewart probably isn't going to be ready for opening day. He's dealing with a hamstring injury. So this one seems pretty well set with Austin Hayes, Cedric Mullins, and Anthony Santander uh, occupying those spots, at, at least uh, primarily. Uh, I've, I've liked Santander a lot of the last couple of seasons. Good power source there. I have to wonder if I've been sleeping a bit on Cedric Mullins this draft season because if the plate appearances are there, then maybe so are the steals. Yeah, that's exactly who uh, I was going to go to. I think Cedric Mullins is an interesting guy because, I mean, it seems like he's going to get to lead off, Al. And if he leads off every day for this team, I mean, already, if you just go look at his projections, the bad X gives him 11 steals, but only in 89 games played and 375 plate appearances. Like, there's a there's a path where that's like 200 plate appearances short of what he actually ends up getting. And if he's getting all of that on top of this uh, lineup, it's not going to be a great lineup, but... You know, you can't help but almost fall backwards into like 80 runs scored if you're a leadoff man and you can get on base at least a little bit. And then the steals could be there too. I mean, I think we could be looking at a very cheap, like 80 run, 20 steal guy. And even if the rates aren't there, uh, even if uh, the power isn't huge, we're still maybe talking about 12 or 13 homers. Uh, what's his ADP? Like outside the top 400, something like that? Like this is someone to me who is very, very interesting to circle back to in just regular mixed leagues. I mean, as long as you're not a super shallow mixed league that's only playing like three outfielders, I feel very good about reserving a spot in my brain for Cedric Mullins as one as my fourth, fifth outfielder, a utility spot if I've got a couple of those. I think this is a guy who could pay big-time dividends this season. All right, and just so that we're clear for everybody out there when you're saying four, four or five outfielder leagues, uh, so that would apply then even to 12-team mixed leagues? I think so. I mean, he's not going to register. His ADP is not going to suggest that he is a starter in 12-team mixed leagues, even with four or five outfielders. It's just, it's just not going to happen. But, like I said, I mean, I think if he can stick on top of this order, we could be talking 80 runs, 13 homers, 20 steals. And so long as the batting average or OBP aren't totally in the tank, those numbers are going to play. And even if they are in the tank, you could find ways to offset them. So even though his ADP isn't going to show up as a 12-team starter – He's someone who I would be comfortable rolling the dice on. I mean, in 12-teamers, he could be your last pick very easily. And I just think that as long if he – I'm willing to take the shot that he establishes himself as this team's everyday leadoff man. And if that shot ends up coming through, he's easily going to pass that, and he's easily going to be a starter. 15-team mix, 12-team mix, no doubt about it. All right. All right. And yeah, he's, he's out there, uh, I think, even probably in some of those 15-teamers yeah, at this point. So uh, it's a good uh, name to tuck away. And uh, we'll wind up here with uh, perhaps the player that might be of the most interest of the ones that we've talked about so far. And that's Amir Garrett, who uh, returned to the Reds and um, did so in just uh, devastating fashion with three <laughs> swinging strikeouts. So he looks like he is back in form. Uh, I suppose there's a, a competition there for closer in Cincinnati, Lucas Sims, uh, also in that mix. And he is set to make his Cactus League debut on Tuesday. So should we stick around and see how Sims does? Or are you ready to just feel comfortable that Garrett is is ready to be the closer for the Reds? 
Yeah, I'm ready to assume that he's going to be the guy who gets the first shot at it. If David Bell is interested in having a dedicated closer, I think Amir Garrett gets the first crack at it. He's got the stuff to then establish himself, run with that opportunity, and remain the closer for this team. So if I still have drafts left, and I do still have drafts left, I am very comfortable treating him as the closer while understanding that we're not talking about a guy with rock-solid job security. But the nice thing with Amir Garrett is that even if he does share saves or maybe, you know, Lucas Sims just beats him out over the next couple of weeks, he's a guy who's shown us over the years that he can be a big contributor in strikeouts. He's had some good spurts with his rates, and I think he can establish some sort of consistency with that too. So even if he falls out of favor in the ninth inning, he's not going to be a total zero for your team. He's someone who I'm treating as, you know, maybe, you know, closer number 22 to 27-ish right now going into our last couple of weeks of draft season. Well, you know, once you're talking about that neighborhood, I mean, it's all relievers with a lack of job security or one type of risk or another. So you could do pretty well for yourself, I think, to get Amir Amir Garrett in that spot. So, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully be able to do that. And uh, on that note, we're going to wrap things up for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it if you take the time to do that. Before we go, be sure to check out Ding You presented by BetMGM. It's our March Madness show. Listen to the Daily Ding podcast feed or watch the show on YouTube. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be back here on Tuesday. Mm -hmm.